Welcome to another episode of the 104 Podcast. What's going on, people? And so I have another interview coming at you that I got interviewed by somebody. Uh, we were adding these to the mix so that you can hear different perspectives and hear a little bit more insight from me, right? You hear me interviewing people all the time, but maybe you want to switch it and hear some stuff from some other people. So Anthony Eisenman, he's one of my people. Uh, we actually met through Instagram. He reached out to me on Instagram to come on an interview around sales techniques and sales tactics. And uh, we went for quite some time on this interview about a lot of different things. Uh, I really dove deep into why sales is ultimately about doing math. I'm a finance major, so I'm very logical and math minded. So if you can't give me the numbers, uh, me making a decision is going to be very hard. So that's how I just see sales as math. Uh, we also went into social, why more people should be thinking about LinkedIn. And it really doesn't matter who you are, right? If you're in finance, you're obviously in tech sales, you could be leveraging LinkedIn to find some very genuine people out there to connect with, but also drum up some business for yourself. And we also just talk about life, how sales ultimately is life. You're in a sales conversation and a negotiation every single day, whether you like it or not. So once you acknowledge that, then you try to try to, you try to figure out ways, how can I, right, or you in this case, do better at being a sales professional or just understanding sales as a whole moving forward. So this interview was about, again, flip the tables. Someone was interviewing me and I know a lot of you out there want to learn more about sales and want to get better at it. I know we have some business owners out there who maybe are afraid of sales. Maybe this will make you a little bit more comfortable about sales and for you to go execute yourself. So enjoy this interview. Anthony Eisman did an amazing job and you are about to hear it here as well. He was a guest on the one World podcast. So you're going to be very familiar with him, but enjoy and definitely take some notes here. Real quick, I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lesson Lee, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. Welcome everybody to another episode. It's the Anthony Eisenman Show, man. I'm super excited. I have an amazing sales guest on the show for you guys today. You're going to get a ton of value. This guy is the Director of Execution and Evolution for J Barrow Sales Training. He's worked with some enterprise big companies like Snowflake, Salesforce, Slack and Google. He's also heavy on LinkedIn. He's one of the top sales voices on that platform. Morgan Ingram is my guest today. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday, so you can never be upset on a Friday, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I love what you're doing on social, man. Um, I love the content. Somebody had uh, brought your, uh, your page up to me, and I was like, yo, I'm already following this guy. And uh, your stuff really, really resonates with me, um, just from a sales perspective. And I know my audience, which uh, the majority of my audience is in sales, they're trying to get better at sales, they're trying to drive revenue for their companies, um, or they're an entrepreneur trying to drum up business, right? Trying to make more money for their families. And I know you can provide a lot of value to, to uh, the audience today, man. So let's just hop right into it, man. Let the audience know. I know I gave a little bit of an intro in the beginning, but let them know who you are, what you do at a high level, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I started off in sales, and I think most people probably listening. You 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 didn't like grow. You know, you weren't growing up and be like, oh, I want to be in sales. Like <laughs> it's like it just you kind of like you get into it. I wanted to be a sports agent originally, and I kind of like fell into this sales world. And so I started off as something called a sales development rep which was only focused on prospecting. 
and mm. building a book of business. So only cold calling, only emailing, only LinkedIn prospecting. You're not closing any deals. So it's not not easy at all because you're getting beat up every day. And so but just for the audience, though, just so I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you finish. But just for the audience, though, you're drumming up leads for a more senior salesperson to close, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. Yep. And so I that's how I started out. And then from there, I built a YouTube channel around that role and started posting it on LinkedIn. And that's what led to the growth on LinkedIn. And then once I did that, I got promoted to manager over that team. And the the reason this part of the story is important is because the YouTube content that I was creating got discovered by another sales trainer in our space called John Barrows, who had trained Salesforce and Oracle and all these big companies. And he found me and he was like, hey, uh, do you want to come join the team? And we had multiple conversations and I realized like, oh, like, this is something that could be a fit. So I got brought on to just train on lead generation, demand generation, like getting meetings whilst, while also learning more about sales through him because he had all the experience because I wanted to learn from him. And so, yeah, for the past three and a half years, I've been training teams on top of the funnel strategies on how to prospect, how to get meetings, how to break through all this noise that's going on right now so you can have a strong pipeline and as we always say is if you got a big fat pipeline, you don't, you don't really have a lot of problems. Negotiation becomes a lot easier. Closing becomes a lot easier. And I've been training a lot of companies in the SaaS space. So software as a service, Google, Slack, all the ones that I've mentioned here. Um, and I go in and train their teams on that, on those techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. There's a few things that I want to touch on here. First of all, the last thing you said is when you have a fat pipeline, there's not a lot of things you need to worry about. And for the audience, what Morgan's saying is when you have multiple deals that can close in your pipeline, you don't have to work every deal down to the bone. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have to be desperate on every deal. You can uh, use your leverage um, and you actually uh, are going to close more deals with the, with the fat pipeline. That's what everybody needs to do. Now, the only way to get a fat pipeline is to prospect and do it the right way and do a lot of it. We're going to get into that because that's really what you're good at. But I want to unpack one other thing you said in the beginning, which was you were um, you you were a uh, business development rep, and you were doing prospecting, right? You were cold calling, emailing, doing cold cold outreach, and you actually went out and created a YouTube page. And because you took that action, it opened up another opportunity, right? With John Burroughs training, and that's what you're doing now. So before we get into the tips and tricks on how to cold prospect and all that good stuff. Talk to the audience a little bit about how just taking action, maybe breaking through that fear of putting your stuff on YouTube, delivering some content, you know, opened up that opportunity for you. That maybe would have never happened if you didn't take that action. Oh, it absolutely would not have. And this is a really important thing to write down if you're taking notes here is that when you're thinking about putting yourself out there, first thing that you need to see it as is being the curator and not the creator. So being the curator, not the creator. And what I mean by that is I was curating content because I was already in the role. Mm. And so it was really easy for me to document it, to be like, hey, y'all, today sucked, <laughs> right? I got hung up on 30,000 times and let me tell you like, why I was so bad, right? But the next week I'd be like, okay, like I improved and here's why. So this wasn't content that I had to go like, in a float tank for, right? I didn't have to go like on a, a journey, right? To go figure it out. It was like, I was already in the role. And what people really want to hear from you is your journey and your experiences. Cause that's coming from a real place and it's not fabricated. So I knew, all right, I was what, three, four months into my role, very new into sales. That would have been very nerve wracking for most people. But what I knew is that I'm speaking my truth and no one can Mm. take away from speaking my truth, which is what allowed me to grow so fast on LinkedIn, which allowed the YouTube channel to be so rich in content is because Mm. I was just relating to an audience. And I was like, yeah, this is my role. I'm I'm not saying I'm closing multi-million dollar deals. I'm not Mm. saying I'm running a seven figure business. Like I, I wasn't fabricating anything like this was just really what I was doing. And that's why people really appreciated it. Yeah. So curate, don't create. So you are really just documenting your experiences. And I think that's why people resonated with you and could relate to it. Because listen, at the end of the day, sales is up and down, right? We have days that are just 
shitty, right? We don't, not everybody's out <laughs> no. there closing multi-million dollar deals every day, man. That's not the way it works, right? But right. the reality is it's almost like baseball, right? You know, you get one hit out of every three, you're batting 333 and you're going to the hall of fame, right? Um, and sales is the, is really the same way, right? It's about activity. It's about being consistent. It's about being disciplined. And it only takes one or two, right? Or three out of 10, 20, 30 to really change, you know, your quarter, your month or your sales year, right? Absolutely. And it's the, it's the consistency factor as well. And that's what attributed to the success is that, Hey, look, you know, at the beginning, it wasn't like one video got a thousand likes, right? It was a process of one, two, four, you know, it doubles and it multiplies just like it is in sales, right? No one picks up the phone and they're just like, the savant of sales, like there's little things that you learn along the way. And that's part of the growth process, which is really important in terms of creating content or you're in sales. Yeah. And anything, man, I've been doing this for 20 years, man. I'm still learning every day. I'm going to learn something from you today. I guarantee it. Right. And um, I think that's an important piece for people that need to take away too, man. Once you stop learning, once you stop growing, you're really going to be in a, in a, in a tight spot, man. So, all right. So walk me through, you know, your role as the BDR, and you're out there, your number one job is to drum up qualified opportunities, right? For a, yep. for a sale, for a senior sales rep to close. And so you're cold outreach, picking up the phone. How does your career start out, man? I mean, did you just basically learn from all your failures and mistakes? Because I'm sure you probably sucked at it when you first started, right? <laughs> That's an understatement. I was really bad. <laughs> I was really bad. So uh, this this is a funny story. So when I first got into it, I was like, I'm only going to schedule meetings on email and, and like social. Like I did not want to pick up the phone oh, okay. at all. And so every single time that we would have a call blitz, I'd say, yeah, uh, I got to go to the bathroom. And I oh, did. Okay. So you had some <laughs> real fear over picking up the phone. I couldn't do it. I just, I just could not do it. And I remember my boss was like, yeah, you know, you're coming in here with me and we're making calls. Yeah. And I was doing my calls and I was like at the last number and I was like, okay, I'm going to get out of this. Right. Like no one's Nobody picking up answer. the phone. Right? Yeah. Fate has it that they picked up the phone. Right. And I'm nervous and I have, I'm not prepared at all. Yeah. Right. So I, I did what I like to call a value vomit. You say a lot of stuff and you hope it sticks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, but, but the prospect's like, what the heck? So when that happened, uh, they were like, yeah, this isn't relevant to me at all. I'm not interested and hung up. So from that moment, I realized I needed to be prepared in every single thing that I do. And now I have formulas for every single touch point when it comes to prospecting. But for the first three months, I really struggled with it. And it wasn't until I talked to my VP of sales and she asked me this question. She was like, like, are you even giving this 100%? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, right? Like I'm giving it really 70. Like imagine if you give it a hundred and give this a real shot, you could be great at this. You could be okay at it, like whatever, but at least you'll know. And the last point I'll make on that is how I got better was through learning and the lessons and the mistakes. But ultimately what I made a decision on was not to have fear around trying new things and also fear of actually making the call because one, when you call people, they're going to forget you in like three to five seconds anyway. Don't so take it, it personal. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. They're not going to fly to your door like, hey, Anthony, that cold call sucked, right? That's not, that's not going to happen. And also number two is I was willing to always try new things. So I would go on YouTube. I would go to multiple websites and I would take that information and be like, okay, I'm going to run a sample size on this. So yep. I started becoming more of a scientist. And when I became more of a scientist in prospecting, I found the right formulas. I found the right structure to implement. And then that's when I started seeing those results. Yeah, man. I love that. A couple of takeaways to the audience right there, man, is like, listen, if you're going to be in sales and I coach people on this all the time, I'm like, sales is a, your career. Like this is what you do. You can make a profession out of this. I think a lot of people get into sales and they think they're just going to do it for a little bit before they find the next big thing or find the thing they really want to do. Um, and they only give 70%, right? But uh, you're never going to see the results that you want. And if you make sales a profession and you take this shit serious, you can make a lot of money. You can make a great career. Um, you can earn a lot of money and then you can take your high income and you can invest it in, you know, wealth producing assets and things like that. So I, I, I love the fact that you said, yeah, like you have to be all in, man, be committed and then, you know, continue to hone your craft, right? 
you learn from your mistakes, you're on YouTube, you're learning, you know, the best salespeople I've ever met and ever come across have always been continuing to learn. And the ones that kind of die out, the ones that kind of fizzle away, the ones they think they know everything and they stop reading the books or they stop trying to find that edge. You know what I'm saying? Like just that one little nugget that can push them over the edge of success. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's so it's at the end of the day, like if everyone listens, listening in focuses on this one thing I'm going to say is growing 1% better every single day. Mm. So something that I've started to implement for the actually the past six months to make sure like this is a real thing is I block off time to learn. Mm. So you schedule personal development. Yeah. So think about it, right? We've all been to high school. We've all been, if you've got college, right? They block time off for you to go to class. You had to be in a class for an hour and a half. You had to be in the class for two hours and you didn't want to go, but you went because you're like, I got to get this degree. So why would you not schedule your own learning time to learn for yourself so you can go get the life you want and go get the money you want? That's something I'm excited about, right? Like I want to hit my goals. So why would I not schedule my own time to go to class? So that's what I do. I schedule time to go to class every single day. I love it, man. Schedule your personal development. One of my mentors, Rock Thomas, um, he uh, he says you should do at least 30 minutes of personal development every day. The people that are, are really killing it are doing more than that. Um, but yeah, be intentional about it. Schedule it just like you schedule your cold call sessions, right? Your prospecting tests. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You're intentional, intentional about that. So yeah, I, I love that stuff, man. So all right, we're going to get into kind of the, the tips and the tricks because there's people on that are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, yo, I, I'm terrible at cold calling or I'm terrible cold outreach and I want you to give them all the gems. But before we get into that, I want you to give me your ideologies on why cold outreach and prospecting and cold calling is still relevant is still important in this day of digital marketing. And I'm just going to sit back and get these leads that come in and then I'm going to reach out to them. Um, what's the difference and why is cold outreach still important, my man? Cold outreach is still important because at the end of the day, you want to be able to control your own destiny. Mm. Right. That That's the key, right? Mm. I can set up certain campaigns to get inbounds coming in. I can do the webinars to get those leads. And that's great. I have no knock against it. Like it's that it's part of that marketing and sales alignment. But at the end of the day, the outbound controls your destiny. It's the reason why I still prospect every single day. Like I do do sales training, but my role is still full sell cycle. I still have target accounts I want to go after. I still run campaigns. I still do video prospecting. I still make cold call. Or I still do emails because like you have to keep that skill sharpened. And so number one is you want to control your destiny. Number number two though, as well, is that you want to have a big fat pipeline. Mm. You know, and I, and I talked about this already, but the reason that you want the cold outbound is because I can't determine how many inbound leads I'm going to get per week. I exactly. can determine though how many touch points I do per day because that's my effort. Yep. And that's again, what my, my former boss always said this control what you can control. Yep. Right. We had reps at the end of the month being like, oh, well, the inbounds didn't come in. It's like, what were you doing? Why aren't you making cold calls? Why aren't you emailing? Why aren't you doing LinkedIn stuff? And like, oh, yeah, I should have been doing that. Yeah. So that is really critical is that if you want a big fat pipeline and you want to be typically people aim for 3x, 3.5x their get pipeline so they can hit their number. Like yep. you're not going to be a top rep if you're just, or even hit your goals as a business person. If you're just sitting there being like, I hope things happen. Right. And one of my mentors always says, hope is not a strategy. And yeah. the, the third piece and why it's important is that if you are looking to get these bigger clients, you're going to have to do some cool prospecting. Like exactly. the like the Microsofts and the Amazons of the world are most likely not looking for you, right? They're in their own world. So you have to slightly knock on their door to be like, hey, this is what I can offer so you can get yourself in there. And with outbound, you can control, if we're getting to like the bottom of the funnel, you can control the sales cycle, right? Because inbound, they normally come in with a budget. They come in with exactly what they need. And it's a lot... I would say it's like extremely difficult, but it's a lot harder to make those adjustments because they come in. They're and controlling the conversation, right? They're set. Outbound, you control the conversation. Like you've run, if you run the right discovery, you find the right things, 
you could end up having a bigger deal size. So it's all about my, the last point I'll make here is when you are a, when the reason that cold prospecting will always be relevant is that you become the problem solver. Yep. You're finding the insights and reaching out to someone and say, Hey, I found this. This is why I can help. I yep. think, I think we might be able to solve a problem here. But when you only focus on inbound, you become an order taker. And I don't mm. really I don't really see that as sales. Wow, an order taker, man. We got to talk about what's the difference between between a hunter and an order taker, man. We'll we'll talk about that if we get to it. So just a couple of takeaways here. You want to control your own destiny, man. So you never want to be reliant on anything, right? You never want to be reliant on warm leads or leads that come in, or like I've never met a great salesperson that couldn't pick up the phone right? And get a meeting with a prospect. Never met a great salesperson that couldn't do it, right? So you want to be able to control your own destiny um, and fill up that pipeline, right? And the second thing, big, huge takeaway, especially for me, someone that consistently coaches and preaches get into enterprise sales because that's where you're solving bigger problems, you're helping more people, you're exponentially growing revenue, and you're exponentially growing your, your income all at the same time. However, more complex deal, longer sales cycle, higher skill set. But if you can learn it, you can do it. You can do really, really well in it. Um, but the point is, is that you know the uh, sales forces of the world, the slacks of the world, the Googles of the world aren't going through a click funnel to find somebody that's going to solve their problem. Right. And and you're basically in the enterprise sales game, Morgan, as well, because you want to coach companies that have thousands, five thousand, ten thousand reps, right? That's how you exponentially grow your income. And those names I just mentioned, Salesforce, Slack, Google, those are companies you've worked with, right? And you actually have to go out and proactively prospect those big deals, right? Tap into that one last time and how important that is that like. These big deals aren't coming through ClickFunnel. No, <laughs> they're, they're not. And, you know, especially if you are starting out new, right? I remember when the, the company that I started with and was that BDR, uh, we had no name recognition. We didn't have a, a ton of things that were happening from a marketing perspective. So we had to go get these enterprise accounts. In. And I want to touch on this because it's really important is that when people think about enterprise prospecting, they only think about, I have to go after the C-suite. I, I, I only am going after the CMO. I only, and it's like, no, like, like you want to get there, right? I'm not saying you don't want access to these people. I'm just saying the chances of you getting that meeting is not that high because they're getting blown up. Uh, I think it's around 300 to 400 sales emails an executive gets per day, right? It's a lot going on. So my recommendation, and this is a critical piece here is I want you all to think about a bottom up strategy. Mm. Inside so, coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So this Let is, them know, man. Let them know. This is how I, this is how I've gotten the snowflake. This is how I've gotten to like glass door. Like, like I just, I started from the bottom. And so basically I call this the groundswell prospecting. Mm. So I, I talk to people that are end users or managers so I can get access to information. So when I do reach out to an executive, I already have the context. Yeah. It's not something you already have business case. Exactly. And these people are easy to get in front of, right? So I'll use my example. So I sell sales training. So I would reach out to sales reps and I'll be like, hey, uh, reason I'm reaching out is, you know, I see that you all are growing pretty fast. And I just want to see, do you all have like an external, like, prospecting top of the funnel trainer. And if like, if you all do like, that's cool. But if not, like would love to chat. Cause I don't want to be an annoying sales rep to reach out to your leaders. If this is already top of mind. Right. See, if that's people, a Jedi trick though. Cause salespeople will give up all the info. <laughs> they will, salespeople will just give you all the information, man. They will. You know that's they a good will. trick. I learned that a long time ago. Reach out to the salesperson. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll tap you right in. A hundred percent. Even, even if you can't find the, the phone number for someone, let's say if you're not targeting salespeople and you're going to like HR leaders, I call the sales rep and be like, man, I'm so lost right now. I've been trying to go after Sally for like months. Can you help me? And they're like, oh yeah, like here's the email. Here's the phone. That's the, that's the hack of all hacks. Like if you really need to get in front of somebody, always hit up the sales rep, but that's the key. Like I would hit up a sales rep. I hit up a manager. Obviously everyone's personas are different, but I want you to think right. about that. Who, write it down. Who's your end user? Who's the manager? And hit them up and be like, hey, 
Typically, we would talk to these people. This is an obstacle they face. And this is actually key. I want you all to write this down, too. Is I don't say challenges anymore. I say mm. obstacles. Okay. Why is that? Because I still say challenges. So, so here's why. So, like, when you say challenges someone, not all the time, but that might they might perceive that as you calling their baby ugly. Yeah, like they're yeah, I got you. So they're doing something wrong. Right. But if I say obstacles, when you think of an obstacle, it's like we overcome obstacles. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Words matter. Language matters. For sure. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. So I'll mention that to the end. He was like, hey, is this an obstacle you're facing? Are you facing this? And like, all I'm looking to do is get information, right? I hop on a call with him and then I can use that to go talk to the director, to the VP, to the executive. And now I'm, what it becomes is multi-threaded. But what this is ultimately going to help you do in an enterprise deal is deal insurance, mm-hmm. right? Because we have <laughs> car insurance, renter's insurance, like house insurance, we got all the insurance in the world. But sometimes we forget about deal insurance. Mm-hmm. We only think- I've never heard of this. Go ahead, right? put me on, put me on. But think about it, right? If you only are talking to the C-suite, there still could be influencers and champions and skeptics at the director level that could derail your deal. Absolutely. So it's not just like I got to the C-suite, it's over and I got them bought in. Like there's still work that needs to be done. So if I have deal insurance and I have like 10 to 20 champions in an organization, okay, that's great, you. right? Because what if four people leave? Yep. Absolutely. You need so to go, like, you need to go wide. I've seen that happen on a lot of big deals. Like they only have one contact in an organization. They didn't go wide enough. They didn't have enough, you know, deal right. uh, influencers in there, but we call that covering your bases. And it's a huge, it's a huge point because in a complex deal, in a complex environment, in an enterprise sale, there is literally five or six and sometimes seven buyers. You have the CFO, you got the technical buyer who's the IT yep. guy who's got to implement it. You got the end user, you got the HR person, right? All these people you have to get buy-in from, but the best way to get in there is like you said, you call it groundswell prospecting is you got to find an inside coach. You got to find a champion to where you can build a business case around and then take that up there, right? And move that up the flagpole instead of just going directly to the CC. Now, and we can get into this, right? Because when you start prospecting and you picking up, picking up the phone, Yep. Right. You may want to start at the top. I don't know what your take is on this. Everybody's got different ideologies, but you may want to start at the top because that guy's not going to talk to you right away mm-hmm. like the CFO, but he'll tell you who does handle that. And then when you call that person, you can be like, yo, I talked to the CFO and he said, you're the person that handles this. And sometimes you can go in that way as well. So, but I love the fact that you mentioned, obviously, you know, the groundswell prospecting and starting from the ground up, building that business case, covering all your bases. Tapping into all the influencers is super, super important. So I want to get into a couple of technical things here for the audience. Like there's three things that I heard you mention a couple of times on, 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 this, on this pod is yep. um, for cold outreach, calling, emailing, and LinkedIn, right? Yep. So I want you to give the audience like your, you know, one or two tips on those three things that, like what you see people struggling the most with on those, in those three, um, in those three silos. And then like your one or two top tips. So let's start with calling, right? Cold calling. What is the like one thing that you think people struggle with the most in cold calling? And then give me your two like gems on how to, on how to succeed in cold call. The number one struggle is the intro. Of the actual cadence of the call? Of the actual call. Like someone picks up the phone. That's where most people struggle. And that's where most the people first lose. thing, first words out of their mouth. <laughs> that's and what most people lose. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, conversation around this. Some people say, you know, you're not supposed to say, hey, how are you? Some people say that you're supposed to just, you know, go go right in. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to hear what your intro is, man, and how you how you how you finesse it. I have a I have a unique take on this. And and there are some people out there who said, Oh, I don't know about this, but hey, I, I got a lot of people that get got a res, gets results on this. And I, I share it with my clients all the time. And they're like, oh, that makes sense once I break this down. So the intro, like I said, is the most important part. The first two to five seconds, if you don't know what you're gonna say, you will lose. <laughs> like I'm just letting it around. You will not be successful. And to answer that. Anthony, I don't like how you're doing today. I really don't because one, you really don't care. And then two, what happens though that's more important is from a psychological level, your client, your future client gets defensive and they, and they put their guard up because they, they've heard it every single day. 
So you're not standing out. You're being the same rep over and over again, the same business person over and over again. That's not going to be applicable. So I, I took that because I used to do it myself. And we agree on that, by the way. I wrote a book on cold calling and my, and my ideologies around this. And, and uh, yeah. I, I would never, uh, and don't get me wrong, back in the day when I first started, I'd say, hey, how you doing? Sure. This I don't want to ask a question like that. No. I don't want to ask my prospect a question like that, right? <laughs> no, it's not going to work out. out. So this is the way that I take it and then I'm going to explain why I ended that way. I know, I know. Getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one-up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm still talking about sales. And I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast-growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing, telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20x more meetings, 2x on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. So the breakdown here is I want to break their pattern. So if I was calling you, Anthony, this would this would be my intro. I say, hi, hey, Anthony, thanks for taking my call. Hey, look, I know I'm calling you out the blue here. However, do you have a few moments to chat? Pattern interrupt. Pattern interrupt all over the place. And I'm going to break pattern this interrupt. down. I'm going to break this down because it's a formula. And it's called the PLA. PLA. And, it stands, and it stands for pleasant, laughing, and arms up. Hey, Morgan, man, my company's making me do 500 of these calls, man. You're like 499. <laughs> Something like that, right? <laughs> exactly, right? You, got, you have to make it engaging for that person. And if you could get them to laugh, which I'm about to explain, you're already in a good spot. So, right, so pattern interrupt, and then the acronym is PLA. Say it again. PLA. I probably interrupted you. I apologize. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. So it's pleasant, laughing, and arms up. Okay. Pleasant, laughing, arms up. Go ahead. Break it down. So pleasant, at the beginning, you noticed, I said, thanks for taking my call. Now, I want you all to take a moment here in this episode and just think about all the calls you've gotten. Has anyone ever thanked you for taking the call? Hey, thanks for taking my call. That's the first thing you say. First thing I say, okay. think about it, no one ever starts. No one ever gets that. So they're like, Oh, okay. Like, cool. You're welcome. <laughs> like, You're welcome. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's a, di- it's different. Right. Like and also key element there. And I, and I don't introduce my name yet because okay. the name, the name doesn't matter. No one cares. Unless you're the rock or Bill Gates, or something crazy like that. This does not matter. Okay, so the next part is the laugh. So you notice I did a little chuckle. All right, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, hey, you know I'm calling you out the blue. I acknowledge the scenario. I don't apologize. That's a really key point. I don't say, oh, sorry for calling you. Like, you made the call. Don't apologize. But I do acknowledge. I say, hey, I know I'm calling you out the blue. Yeah, okay, I like that. But there's a key point before I go to the next thing is that make sure that you practice this laugh, all right? Because I don't... (laughs) I don't want people to be like, sound like Kawhi Leonard, right? And be like, oh, yo, cool, yo. Like, don't, don't do that, all right? Because if you do that, it's, it's, it's not going to work there's, for you. There's a science to the laugh. There is. You got it. It's a all little right. chuckle. I practice it a, a little lot. little chuckle. It's a little chuckle. And it, the whole goal there is to 
bring their defense down, right? It's to make them laugh a little bit. Disarming people. Yeah, disarm. We've had people laugh. So that's, that's how you build rapport is you disarm people. Exactly. And then the last part is arms up. So I have my arms up and I'm on a video right now, but I have my arms up every single time I do it. That is a body cue for me to have the right inflection and tone when I ask this question. So you, so for the audience, you're physically putting your arms up while I you're do. doing this. That's part of your, that's part of your strategy. Right. Cause when you put your arms up and you're like, Hey, like it's, it's just kind of like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be aggressive. I'm not, I'm just trying to see like, give a phone to chat. Right. And your voice changes when you do it. Okay. That makes sense. That's physiology. I'm Yep. Then this is what typically happens. Most people will say, who are you? What do you want? What, what is this about? Cause I didn't introduce my name, right? That's the key part. And the reason I don't do that is because humans are curious. They got to know, they got to know who is, who is this person. And then, and then I go into it. Yeah. My name is Morgan Ingram from JB sales. And the reason for my call is, and I always say the reason for my call. So they know there is a purpose and it's not random. Then I go into where my value prop is, depending on what context yep. I've gotten. Like that's my intro, and that's what we suggest a lot of people do, and people see results from it. Yeah, I love the fact that you say you set the, um, you state what the reason is for your call, and I coach that all the time. I tell people, listen, the reason for my call is, you know, I'd like to set up, I'd like to set appointment with you. Mm. I'd like to get, in, I'd like to get ten minutes in front of you, whatever that is. I think. People appreciate that. So that's that's a that's an interesting strategy, to be honest with you. So I've heard pattern interrupt, right? I've, I've, I've read about that. But for you to break it down in kind of your own little way, that's super cool, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Absolutely. So next is email. So what's the number one challenge you see on email? That people uh, write novels instead of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obstacle. Should I say obstacle? I don't know if they would say challenge. So funny story, man. I guess you thinking. Funny story for the audience, man. I've been in the enterprise sales game for a long time. And when I first got in, you know, I used to write these really long emails to like, you know, see, because you're dealing with like people that you perceive are super important, like CEOs and CFOs and VPs. And I used to write these like long emails to like show that I was super smart and like, you know what I'm saying? And I uh, literally, one of my customers told me one time, they're like, dude, he's like a VP of a large retail brand, like a big brand that yep. everybody would know. You'd know it if I told you for sure. You should shop there. I guarantee it. He was like, yo, like nobody cares about this fluff. Like, just tell me what the problem or the solution. I don't, I can't do it. Um, I can't read through all this shit. And, and I started to like, really just get very direct and like one, two sentence emails, mm-hmm. really, it really, really strengthened my rapport with, with high level executives and, and major brands. And now that I've gotten like to a certain point in my career where I'm reading more emails, like if yep. something comes in, I'm like, yo, I don't even for real. Like if it's more than a certain thing, I'm like, Shh, I don't even read it seriously. So that's your, that's your biggest thought, the obstacle for salespeople, not writing novel emails. Right. So 100%. what's your solution to that? Everybody, everybody wants to write the next Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings in an email. And I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I promise you, no one's reading it. So Bad idea. I'll give you all the tactic. However, I'm going to give you a tool that will help you and also something backed by science. So what Anthony is saying here is spot on. Most people, when they talk to a C-level, they feel like they have to write something very eloquent and have and pull out a dictionary. And that's actually not the case. If you go look it up, the highest response rates in terms of cold outbound emails is between a third and a sixth grade reading level. Third and a sixth grade reading level. So that means you don't want it to be that complex. You want it to be very succinct and straight to the point. That doesn't mean that your grammar is off. It just means that it's just simple to read. And so if you want to check that for your emails, there's an app. It's free. It's called the Hemingway app. You can go look it up. You use it. Yo, I use Hemingway <laughs> when I write my eBooks, man. I punch. So Hemingway, this is a great thing. Morgan's a spot on with this. So um, you punch in your content into the app and it tells you what grade level reading it's at. And I always try to put my shit out in like five, fifth, sixth grade level. Um, like you like you just said, basically. And um, yeah, Hemingway is a, is, a, is a great app, man. So that's a, that's a good value right there. Yeah, I know that. That's the key. So there's two things I want to talk about here with emails because you know the what the body of the email and your value prop, like obviously that's going to be different for everybody. But number one is your subject line 
And number two is how you intro your email. Now, as a best practice, before I go into these two parts, every single email that you send, you want to aim for around two to five sentences from an outbound email standpoint. So it's cold. I'm not talking about if you're doing like a follow-up or you're in a sales cycle, that's a little bit different. I'm talking about cold. They don't know you. You want to be around two to five sentences. If you go to six, like whatever, but that's where I want you all to think about. Cause then it's going to be easier because you want to lead with value and not with fluff here. So yeah. Number one is the subject line, because this is obviously, it doesn't matter what you put in the email if no one opens it. So typically you want to aim for less than five words in your subject line. Less than five words in your subject line. There's also a great app that rates subject lines with their openability. Do you know that? I can't remember the name of the app, but. There's there's a good amount of them out there. I don't know. The, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know which one that you use. I know there's like a subject line grader that I think uh, there's a tool called sales off. They have one, but I don't know which one. For, for the people listening, go, you can go. There's tools like that out there that I'm saying that are important. Like it'll tell you the, yep. the openability of your subject line. So subject line, super important. And you just said it needs to be what? Less than five words. Less than five words. So I'll give an example. This one has This one has been crazy fire as of late. I don't know how long, I don't know how long it's going to be this fire, to be honest. Like I've been sharing it with a good amount of people and people come back like, yo, I got a meeting with the CEO. I got a meeting with an executive. I got a I'm meeting. I'm on the edge of my seat. Right. People are like, yo, I got the average of 40% response rate. I'm like, uh, like, I'm like, okay, I don't like, this is crazy. I'm going to break it down. And a lot of y'all are going to be like, that doesn't make sense, but I'll break it down so it can make sense. But once it I say- It doesn't have to make sense if it works. That's what, that's what I try to tell people, but everyone wants to break down and I got you on this. So- Okay, go ahead. This is, this subject line is so crazy how we came up with it. So the first part is their first name. So like if I'm like say I'm reaching out to you, Anthony, I put Anthony. Yep. The middle part of the subject line is the greater than less than sign. Okay. So think about the greater, the greater than less than sign for the like if it's like if you have like a MacBook right now, like on the bottom right, it's those little two. I guess, yeah, I know, the, the greater than things, right? Then you the put, carrots. yeah, yep, yeah, yep, and then you put your company name. So you put both of those symbols in there, like one point in one way, and so it's like a connection, no, they, like they're connecting, like they're like they're okay. they're coming together. So it'd be, and that's it. it, and that's it. Okay, I could see how that could that could be. It could it could engage it could be, it like build curiosity. They see their name, right? Mm -hmm. So there's two, two, th two things. Cause so this is also another tip for everybody here is that when you do outbound prospecting and people reply and you get the meeting, that's great. And it's exciting. But what's even more exciting is asking for feedback on why they replied in the first place. Mm. So I started using the subject line and I was like, what was the reason that you opened up this email and replied? Right. And people gave me feedback on the subject line, like why it stood out to them, because I wanted to know why. That's a great advice, though, just for people out there. Like, I think there's a lot of sales reps that don't have the confidence to ask those questions, right? Like, like, give me feedback on this or give me feedback on that. Yeah. Like, that's such critical data, right? And that builds rapport. Like, asking questions like that to somebody, that builds rapport, which builds trust, right? But that's, a, that's another great tip right there. To, just to ask that question, just that, ask. Like, that's gold right there. Absolutely. Like if your buyer is saying they like it, then keep doing it. Right. So I kept doing it. So, no, so number one, uh, or, well, two things here on why it works and what uh, the feedback I got. Number one is people thought it was an internal email. Mm, makes sense. So they, so they opened it. It's like, all right, that's cool. Two, it's very similar to what you said. They saw it as like a connector. So yeah. people just like it because they're like, oh, like, it's like psychologically, they're like, oh, you're connecting us together. Like, what is this about? Right. And so that's why I put the company name that I'm at. So you wouldn't put Google if you're going after Google. If you work at, let's say, JB Sales, I put JB Sales. Right. Mm -hmm. You put Makes the sense. company that you're at. So that's the subject yep. line. And that's been crazy for people. Oh, that's a great. That's that's great, man. I mean, yeah, if you're listening, you know, try it out. I mean, that's, you know, so subject line. Then what's next? So the next part is your intro of the email. Because you're, you're called only be two to five sentences, by the way, which you said earlier. No. So the email as a whole should be two to five sentences. So the first the body of the email, right. Should only be two to five sentences. But the first part of that is the intro. No, the whole email is two to five sentences, right? Yeah. 
Then you got I the got first two, the first two sentences is what we're going to aim on here. So yeah, gotcha. what I but I'm going to dig even deeper than that is to think about the preview. The preview in your email app that you're using, like Outlook or something. Right. So hmm. you have about three to five words. I said like six. No, Yo, you are a scientist, man. My man is a scientist when it comes to prospecting. Go ahead. <laughs> when you Go ahead. when you look like look at your phone after this yeah. podcast, and you'll yeah. notice that you can only preview three to five words. So if you say like what I don't like is like hope all is well or hope you're yeah. staying safe out hope here. Or, as well. yeah. Like that, I promise you that's gonna decrease your response rate. Yeah, that's the worst, man. So if you want negative response rates, keep putting hope all as well out there when you haven't talked do to you put their name. Do you, do you put their name? Do you address them in the email? Yes. So okay. a, according according to data, if you're reaching out to somebody, you wanna each culture is different by the way. So you could be listening to this in another culture and you could change it obviously. Cause in like France and Germany, like they're very formal and you got to put their whole name. I get that. But for the most part, if you're reaching out to someone, you want to do hi, whatever. So hi, Anthony. And then the first, again, the first three words of the entire email or five needs to stand out. Mm. You have to mention something that would get them to be like, this person's done some type of research or at least knows what my role's about. Like you did your, we call that like, Paying like your dues, paying your way to, to like get into meeting or something exactly like that. to show me you know me yeah. piece, right? So what do you put there? I mean, you can put a lot of things. Maybe you listen to them on a podcast. Hey, notice I you saw on, on the podcast, news. right? I saw on the news. Look, saw on your news. Looked at your LinkedIn profile. All those different things that you can do to start Love out. Love now it. I'll give you all a go to right because obviously personalization and relevance will be a factor. And obviously, that's going to be different based on your scenario. But one, no matter what you can start off with, is something called I can imagine. So you just start off the email with I can imagine. Mm. Okay. So it could be like, I can imagine as a VP of sales, one of your obstacles is to continuously onboard your team in a virtual environment. Okay. That'd be like an example. Something and that the- resonates with them. Exactly. And the reason awesome. I use imagine though is for them to visualize. Okay. Right? right. I want them to visualize that obstacle pain. that I'm displaying to them. Visualize the pain. Yep. Exactly. That's the key. All right. What's next? So last piece on the email. Uh, the first of all, you have your, your value prop. Your value prop is gonna be different across the board, but another piece on at the end is your call to action. And this like wraps up the whole email is to have what we'd like to call interest call to actions. Okay. Instead of direct call to actions. And for context, what that means is like a direct call to action is like, hey, do you have 30 minutes? Do you have 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, most people are probably gonna be like, no, nah, I don't have 30 minutes, and they're gonna move on. Mm-hmm. So your, your ask is very singular. But if you want to start seeing more responses early in your campaigns, take out the direct call to action and start doing interest call to actions. Okay. And what those are, as I'll give you an example, would be like, at the end of the email, I'll say, would you be open to learning more? Right? Or this one works really well. Are you curious to have a deeper dialogue on this topic? Okay. So I'm, I'm sparking interest to see like, do they even want to talk about it? Because now I'm not, Forcing them directly into a meeting. Yeah, I just want them to respond. Minutes, thirty minutes, right? Exactly. So they're like, "Yeah, I'm interested." Then the natural next step is Wednesday at three (laughs) p.m. Right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm asking these interest call to action, so that now I can get those responses. I love it. I love it. So that's the email breakdown. So their first name with the uh, with the greater sign, less sign, and then their company name in the subject line. The body of the email should not be any more than two to five sentence total. Yep. Right. Yep. I hope, I think you can imagine, or um, I'm sorry. Uh, what was that? What was the intro? Well, so the intro is I can imagine. I can imagine there. And then something that they have a challenge with. You Correct. did your due diligence on the front end. You did some research that buys you in, then your value prop, and then your call to action. I love Absolutely. it. It's good stuff, buddy. All right. LinkedIn, which is crazy these days, man. I remember when I first started out, using LinkedIn probably um, seven years ago, eight years ago, Mm -hmm. I used to get so many good qualified (laughs) leads. Like I'd really just DM people like, yo, I I was looking at your page. 
and I saw you work for so-and-so, we helped, da-da-da-da-da, would you be open for a call? Like literally 75% response rate on LinkedIn. This was seven years ago. Now, I don't even use it anymore because... First of all, I haven't I haven't stayed up on it enough as I as I should have like learned it. But sure. second, I see how much spam I get, <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. So back in the day, dude, I used to get so many great great conversations started on LinkedIn, but now I don't even use it. So I want to hear your take on how you're using it, what your uh, ideologies on. It. I know there's a lot of people getting a lot of great results on LinkedIn. So how do you use LinkedIn the proper way. Yeah, there uh, well, on the LinkedIn main platform, there have been things that they've added that can help you stand out amongst the noise right now. So if so for example, if you're first degree connected to somebody and I'll talk about ways to do that. You can send people videos now. You can send mm-hmm. people voice notes now. So instead of being that spammy person now you can come with a little bit more personality. You can be a lot more relevant to the people you're talking to. So when I think about leveraging LinkedIn, uh, first and foremost, for every person that you're trying to connect with to sell them something or maybe you want to partner with them, I'd encourage you to connect with as many people in that arena as possible. And what we've seen through a lot of A-B testing, which has been very interesting, and you know, some people might be like, oh, I don't know about that, is send people blank notes. Blank so, notes. Yep. And so what I and what I mean by that is if you go to LinkedIn and it says like, do you want to connect with this person? And you like connect. And then it says, do you want to add a note or you just want to connect? So instead mm-hmm. of adding a personalized note, we found that just by sending a blank note, it led to more increase in acceptance wow. rates okay. across the board. Cool. Which is interesting. So now I can build my network. But now here's the key is that in order to build your network, you have to make sure your headline talks about how do you help your buyers. Okay. I know LinkedIn has stepped their whole game up on their bios. You can do all kinds of stuff with emojis and like, yep. you know, you can put a, your voice in there. You can. Like, people can click on them and be like, it's your voice, like all kinds of stuff in the bio. So I need to update mine to be honest with you, but they really stepped their game up a lot on, on, on like the features you can do. Yeah. The bio. They really did. So like if, if you're starting out, okay, cool. I want to get LinkedIn. The first thing is like, go to your profile and talk about how do you help? How do you assist? How do you impact people? Right. And you can go to my profile and see that example. And then from there, like the next step is I want to connect with people that are in my target market that I'm looking to sell to partner with, et cetera. Then what you're going to do is establish relationships and reach out to people, personalize and relevant. You're not spamming and you're doing these videos and these voice notes to connect. So people that are successful on LinkedIn is that they are continuously optimizing their profile. They're connected with people that are in their target market. So if they decide to post content or share content, it's relevant to them. And it goes back to the curator piece, right? We already talked about that. And then when you connect with people, voice notes and videos will help you be more successful because a lot of people just don't get that. Yeah, man. So listen, anytime that there's a, a, you know, a challenge, there's, there's an opportunity, right? Or an obstacle, there's an opportunity, right? And I think with all the spamming going on in LinkedIn, if you do do it the right way, you'll definitely differentiate yourself in the marketplace, right? Um, And, and, and listen, there's probably no other place where you can get your target market, like dialed in, better or more of your ideal client than on LinkedIn, right? And I am a huge, huge fan of voice notes um, and videos. Uh, Morgan will tell you, I sent you a voice note. That's how we connected, right? I said, I went to your Instagram, boom, I hit you with a voice note. And literally you, you, you got back to me within, you know, it was a very reasonable amount of time. And you're like, yo, you hit me with the voice note. I'm already like, did it? Cause that built rapport, right? And I'm at a space now in my in my life and my career that mm-hmm. I didn't even think twice about doing that. Like that's just that like I don't even t- hit you with the text anymore. It's like I'm, I go to the voice note automatic, automatically. Where should be at right? Absolutely. I I become obnoxious with the voice notes. <laughs> like I voice note my girlfriend. I voice note my parents, my friends. I'm like, yo, it's just voice quicker. Note, yeah, just voice noted before we got on the thing. Remember about the taxes? <laughs> exactly. <like>. Yep. <laughs> 
That's you have like you have to become more of a digital seller now more than ever. If you stick to the traditional way of doing sales, you will be lapped just, just straight up. So that's why I've learned to do the voices of videos. Was I good at it at first? No, but now it's just second nature. Yeah, I'm doing. I do like five videos everybody. a day. It should be for everybody. Like if you fear something for salespeople, do it. If you if you if you if you get anxiety about doing a voice note, you need to do more. If yep. you can't send a video to somebody, you need to do it. Whatever you feel fear about doing, you need to break down those walls, man. Because all that, like Morgan said in the beginning of this call, he was fearful about making cold calls, but he got through that. Right, that's how he's built his career. Now he coaches. He got so good at it. Now he just <laughs> coaches people on it. And I mean, you provided so much value in this forty minute podcast with all your tips and tricks and. You know what I'm saying? And, and all that, man. So we really, really appreciate you being on. I do want to hit one more topic with you. I'm going to let you guys. Should, I could talk with you all day, man. It's crazy. <laughs> we could chop it um, up. But um, what's the difference between a salesperson and an order taker? And then um, I'm going to let you get out of here. Mm, this is a good one. I, 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 think at the, I think at the end of the day, when you think of an order taker, it's someone that lives in comfort, right? You know, you're going to get these things that come in, you know, okay. Like if I just run the same thing that I'm going to get the same revenue and the same, it's just, that's just what it is, right? There is no concern. There is no fear. There is no stress for the most part. Sense of urgency. None. It's just like, Hey, I know everything's going to come. Again, the day and and what happens there is that that impedes your growth, right? And I I don't forgot exactly what the quote was, but it basically said, "Hey, if you're not growing, you're dying," yeah. right? So if you're an order taker, like, cool, maybe you made X amount of revenue and you got X amount of money, awesome. But what happens when you go to a company and now like that's not the case, mm-hmm. right? Or what happens when COVID happens? Right. What happens yeah. when there's other things, these these circumstances that you can't control? Right. The difference between an order taker and a salesperson is a salesperson can walk out the door and go and create opportunities for themselves, for their company. Yep. They can drive revenue. Right. If the customers go away for the salesperson, they can go find more customers. Right. If this yep. customer goes away for the for the order taker, the order taker goes away. Because you're not yeah. needed anymore. <laughs> no. You understand what I'm saying? So when COVID hit, the bottom 10% of salespeople, they're automatically wiped off the planet because nobody needs them anymore. The no. most valuable people in any organization are salespeople and, and, and the ones that can actually go out and drum up their own business and drive revenue, right? So yep. you are that, pro- that's my proactive, take on. You're a proactive problem solver. You're like, okay, cool. That's an obstacle. I'm going to overcome it. And everyone who went through COVID and was successful during that time should all get a badge right? or maybe more than that. Because like, the thing is like, you were able to still get through it despite everything that was going on. And like, that's at the core essence of sales is like, I'm proactively solving problems and starting conversations. And if you aren't able to do that, then it's very hard for you to be successful in sales or be a salesperson. Because again, goes back to what I said earlier, you got to control your own destiny. And that's what real salespeople do. They go out and control their destiny. They don't blame all the other external factors. It's like, all right, cool. Like this is the case. I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to figure out what my pipeline is. I'm going to close accordingly and move forward. So that's my take on it. Yeah, man. I love it. And you dude, you got so many good tools in your toolbox, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when something happens, uh, you know, like, a down economy or, you know, COVID or a pandemic or whatever, like you have all this stuff that you built up. Like th- this is all basically the, the, the emails and the cold mm-hmm. calling techniques and the LinkedIn, like that's your armor. You know what I'm saying? Like that's your armor. Like no matter what's happening out in the world, I got all these tools. I got all this stuff that I can use. They're at my disposal because I've honed my craft. I take my shit job serious. I take my work, my career serious, and I can go out and do what I'm supposed to do, man. So I appreciate you being on, man. Um, ton of value. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to hear this. So listen, if you want to um, find Morgan, right? He's on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitch. 
Um, I'm going to put the uh, social handles, obviously, in the show notes, but it's Morgan J. Ingram, right, on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. It's Morgan J. Ingram on LinkedIn and just at Morgan on Twitch. Anything else you want to promote, man? I know you got a new podcast out, right? I got a new podcast out. Um, this has been a, just a super awesome podcast. So it's not related around sales. It's actually related around what you do outside of your work and career to be successful. So we dive into like people's routines around meditation and walk how do, how they walk in the park and how that's been transformative in their life. Uh, we talk about eating habits. We talk about sleep. It's it's really in depth. So I believe. If you're in sales or you're a business professional, yes, we need to understand the business tips to be successful, but we also need to figure out what are we doing outside of the work so we can make sure that we optimize our body and brain to be successful. And that's what the podcast is about. Yeah, man, that's huge, man, because I, I have my routines. I do my meditation, my journaling. You, you sent me the, the the recommendation for the journal. You thought I was lying. <laughs> I got it. I got it. It's here. So, so just for the quick story of the audience, uh, I, on my story, I was, uh, I had a journal post and, and Morgan's like, yo, you need to check out this journal. And I was like, I literally bought it with one click of a button on uh, Amazon in like two seconds. So yeah, it came in the mail, man. It's over here. I'm gonna check it out. But, uh, Morgan, man, I can't thank you enough for being on. If there's anything, any, uh, if there's anything I can ever do for you, man, you just let me know. Um, I'm excited for this to come out, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you as well. All right, guys, this is the Anthony Eisenman Show. Remember, new episode drops every Monday, and we'll see you at the top.